Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Kickstarters, the pros and cons, as well as mass combat rules. I kind of made up my own rules because I couldn't find one that I liked. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, sirs, ma'ams, every other genders, all of them, everybody, aliens, <laughs> aliens not from this world, uh, whoever is watching our show, you are welcome, you are supported, and thank you for being here. Yeah. And if you see this on YouTube, you're supported. You're welcome, and thank you for being here. Hey, if you're bootlegged and you're watching this on another channel, which sometimes has happened, I think uh, you have told me, Jordan, you've caught somebody doing it. I don't care. You're supported if you're watching. <laughs> uh, I think we could be only so lucky if we were deemed popular <laughs> enough to yeah. take the Saturday morning D&D show and, like, bootleg it somewhere. <laughs> bootleg. Like, bootleg Saturday What if this show was in the 80s and we were making, like, VHS yeah. tapes to sell on the streets of New York because yes. we're just like, hey, do you want do you want a saturday talk show yeah <laughs> come back next week we'll have another video it'll be two bucks yeah yeah real cheap <laughs> yeah, got it instead well, we just yeah. stream for free on platforms that allow us to do that yeah. so that's awesome well to that bootlegger i hope you make a lot of money for your family keep doing it keep, keep spreading <laughs> the word for us i'm good with it and the fbi stay away i don't want to get in trouble with any of the laws because we know how bad recording vhs tape law was yeah <laughs> So, but to D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, we're a Saturday morning Dungeons and Dragons talk show. Yeah. We kind of just talk about news and the games that we play and struggles that we might have as a dungeon master. Um, not a lot of news this week. So, uh, but there was, uh, just to jump into stuff, um, Monty Cook's Numenera Kickstarter book um, for yes. 5e. That was uh, funded within like six hours, maybe less, I think. Like it was funded really mm -hmm. quickly on the first day. Um, and so now that it's funded, they're going to add extra books. So they're going to have their base uh, Numenera 5e book, and then they're going to do like a monster book as well. And they're, they're continually adding uh, stretch goals. So I was really, I'm just really excited about that, which is the only reason I keep bringing it up. Um, I backed it and I am excited for more of it. So I don't know if I'll buy all the extra books, but yeah. um, definitely the core book I'm interested in. So. Yeah. Well, and we, we talked about it quite a bit last week where yeah. we said there was a lot of good Kickstarters going on and Monty Cook was that that real live company. They're a real company with real employees, pay real taxes and do all those things, but <laughs> they pretty much run the Kickstarter model. So anytime they want to do something new or if they want to do a reprint of something they've done, we talked about Invisible Sun a little bit, they do a Kickstarter. So we're really starting to see the the whole tabletop RPG kind of world turning, I think. To that, And I think it's probably a good thing because then it's not about um, them trying to figure out, well, we need to make 4 million books, send them out to the bookstores and hope that they're going to sell off of those shelves. And we, we're gauging what we think is super popular, but we're not sure. So we got to make sure we have enough inventory. Whereas Kickstarter is you sign up, you pay your money, you're getting your book, and that's how many we're going to run. We don't yeah. need to run very many extra, though I bet they do. Um but it, I think it helps them when it's a small company really nail down the inventory thing. Now, you know, Wizards of the Coast is making so much bank that 
they could just probably say, we need, I don't know, what do you think they're, they're banking when they do their run? Two million books and then sending them out? I, they must have to gauge what they think people will buy versus knowing exactly the numbers. They're going off trends. They're going off what their last book sold about, you know, and they're trying, they're doing it that way. So um, if you're a, a designer out there, a developer, which I really feel like if we're all in the tabletop realm, we all have that idea of maybe doing something ourselves at some point or being a part of something like that. Um, it's nice to know that the, this kind of whole, whole community supports the idea of, being a small time creator and making it work. There's a lot of yeah. small time creators that make it work. So it's really cool. I wonder and, if you need, um, like everybody's been doing the Kickstarter like train lately. And I, mm -hmm. when I say everybody, I like a lot of businesses. And when you think about it, it is safe to do that because you, you are making exactly what people have already bought. So you're almost like pre-selling things. So mm -hmm. I, I understand that model is, is really popular, but, so like a company like Wizards of the Coast, and I guess I'm just thinking, like, I don't actually know how this works. They must have uh, investors or a, a people that are like, hey, we'll front this much money for this much books. And then they just hope they sell that many books, if not more. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. well, they have Hasbro owns them, That's right? That's true. And so then, Hasbro's, yeah. Yeah. So then you got the full Wizards of the Coast, which is the Magic the Gathering side and the Dungeons the Dragons side. So you've got money to float, like from a business standpoint you would have overhead capital that you can invest in your next product that you're going to launch and then put out, hopefully looking at your trends of what you've been doing and getting a really good idea. And they have investors that they must have to say, well, we think we're here. We've had 2000% growth or 200% yeah. growth. I think they had a really big growth in the last couple of years. In fact, it's been newsworthy that I, I feel like I've seen it in some articles. So they're definitely making enough money to support the next set of projects that they want to, you know, want to push out and stuff. But yeah, I think they have to like a normal business, I would say, have to figure those things out. They have to understand when their trends are happening, when things are maybe starting to come down, because I think that's where the danger is and where you lose play, things like TSR, has to sell out to or gets bought out or sold or these other companies that had risen and then gone away. Um, they probably printed too much product, had too much stuff not going off the shelves, put too much money into something that didn't sell. And that probably started the downfall of their company not continuing to make products. So, you know, some of those old RPG game companies that aren't out there anymore. Well, it just makes me think of like like Goodman Games that does Dungeon Crawl Classics. I think they exclusively do Kickstarters. So yeah. like even to the point where they're like, okay, we're going to do a fourth or fifth printing of our core rule book. They mm -hmm. do a Kickstarter to see how many people will buy that core rule book of, 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 you know, like, hey, it's the fourth printing of it. We don't have any more to sell. Let's do another Kickstarter. And they do a Kickstarter. Uh yeah. Rather than just like, well, let's buy another thousand books and put it in our inventory and hope that we sell them. They they exclusively, well, I shouldn't say exclusively. I don't know how they operate. But like Kobold Press does the same thing. They do Kickstarters mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, now, what is yeah. interesting, I was at my game store, though, and I've seen the DCC book yeah. and the MCC book, and I've seen some Kobold Press stuff. So maybe they're doing limited product runs and sending them to game stores, comic book stores, um, the people that are selling those types of things. Um, you know, like what's the other thing? I used to go to Barnes and Nobles to buy my D and D books, or I would go to um, Walden Books. I think was the other place I used to get them back in the eighties and nineties. I'm thinking is where you would get your Dungeons and Dragons stuff. So I think there's still some of that happening, but it's obvious Kickstarter's kind of swept the world in the last the the TTRPG world in the at least the last two years for sure. 
but definitely this year, I mean, it's Kickstarter after Kickstarter and they're really good ones, exciting ones. There are people from people you haven't heard of. They're from um, companies that you're, you're familiar with and you love and you like to support. It's like this whole range of different ones that you can do. I think I'm in five Kickstarters right now and I'm, I'm a sucker for a Kickstarter. Apparently it must be like lottery tickets. Cause I buy them all the time. It's like, you know, I just, I love this idea of they have this idea they just want 10 to 20 bucks from me to try to make it work. Hey, sure. I'll send you 20 bucks. I hope your, your idea takes place and I get this cool product because of it. So I think it's really cool. No, I mean, I, I like the model of it. The The worst part is the weight, but yeah, uh, that's the Christmas like, weight. You, you just can't, can't do it any other way is really what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, I don't know. It was interesting. Like, uh, uh, kids on bikes was a Kickstarter and I didn't kickstart kids on bikes, but like after the game was made, I think renegade studios, is that the name of the company that took it? I think they were like, Hey, we like your game. We'll like sell it in our stores and we'll do this. Or maybe it was a renegade studios Kickstarter, but I want to, I want to say it was just like a couple guys that's, that had an idea for a game and then mm-hmm. they took it over. So I don't know. I shouldn't even talk about this cause I don't know for sure, but like <laughs> long story short, I bought my kids on bikes game from that renegade studios at Gen Con. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't kickstart it or anything. So they obviously had enough books or they were like, Hey, now that it's finished, now that we were able to like fund the money to actually finish the book and get it out to the people that, uh, you know, supported it, kickstarted it. We actually like have it to sell now. Um, yeah, which take is it to how, a publisher. Yeah, like, then, yeah, like yeah. just go to a publisher and be like, we have this book. We have a track record of it already selling because of all these Kickstarter people. Now we just need to like print X amount of copies and stuff. So, yeah. And, and to bring it back all the way around. So, this new book they're putting out is a 5e supplement mm-hmm. that allows you to bring the science, fantasy, and the weird, which is always something they like to say because it's Monty Cook. And if everybody knows, we've been talking about Monty Cook's been and, and Bruce Cordell, and I'm trying to remember the other Sean forgetting his last name, but they were all kind of a part of Dungeons and Dragons in the past, whether it was during third edition or fourth edition. And they've done some of the really cool stuff before they moved on and, and are doing their company. Mm-hmm. So they, they are steeped in Dungeons and Dragons stuff and they've come back now and they're going to do a Dungeons and Dragons book for 5e, which is really cool. And they do the kind of science weird stuff. They like to explore. If you even look at the products they did before, they like to explore the weird kind of parts of storytelling, which I think is really cool. So um, it just adds a whole nother facet to it. And this book that they're putting out really is going to add a lot of that kind of stuff to your Dungeons and Dragons. And if you want to put in a little bit of um, the Numenera style, if you've heard about that world, if you've read anything about it and you're excited about it, there's going to be enough of it in the book that you could even use some of that to bring some of the Numenera into your Dungeons and Dragons world if you wanted to. So just another type of supplement, maybe not for everybody, but the art is going to be fantastic. It's going to have a really interesting uh, genre that some people will really love. Some people will be hate. I'm sure they'll be like, I don't like science fiction in my fantasy there. They're, and they always hated when they got to the end of those really um, good modules and ad- advanced dungeons and dragons, basic dungeons and dragons, and even mm-hmm. th- third edition where all of a sudden we find out that, Oh, this whole time it's been a spaceship under the mountain. That's been the dungeon we're in. It's mm-hmm. not been a real dungeon and they, they hate that or they rail on it. Certain people, other people love it, love the idea that, Oh my God, I'm playing this fantasy world. We've got dwarves and elves and bows and swords and shields, but we've somehow stumbled on a crash landed, you know, super science kind of thing. Yeah. And it's all decayed. It's all gone away. And, you know, so it's all cool. So some people like it somewhat. Numenera and, is really its own 
thing too. Like it's hard to describe because it's not necessarily like it is science fiction, but Mm -hmm. it's like science as magic because it's so far in the future that like, Mm -hmm. like you cast a fireball is actually manipulating nanobots to heat up the air in front of you to like fire something and, and things like that. And so I always think of like, like when I think of like science fiction, I think, you know, robots and things like that. And you might encounter Mm -hmm. a robot, but it's not going to be, um, like a typical uh, well, a danger gold. will robinson robot it'll be yeah. some kind of uh brain with like metal tentacles that floats in the air and you don't know how it floats and like i don't know every numenera game i've played in like it's just yeah. always had weird monsters weird technology mm-hmm. that you would think that this is not this is magic like it is fantasy so i think it, yeah. it'll fit into D really well and i'm actually excited to use things like i want to use like it was a crass spaceship and mm-hmm. like you maybe utilize a ray gun so that they can uh, eventually i'll take them to space with spell jammer like i always yeah. talk about well there it is it's, spell, <laughs> yeah, it's bringing in spell jammer. and i think the difference is i think what you've kind of nailed on it it's the idea when the science is so far ahead of you that the person using the thing doesn't know it's a science. Mm-hmm. So like you said, I cast these words, which creates this fireball that flies out. I have no idea that nanobots exist when I do that. I have no idea that that's what's heating up the world. It's not me thinking about nanobots. It's just me. I found a way to do this yeah. and it works. And now I call it a magic spell. So really any of that stuff could be really turned in that way. Or you can keep it very fantasy if you want. Like, you know, your robots can be golems and and constructs. Your, you know, it can be all kinds of stuff where you can explain. I mean, like you said, a beholder could be very science fiction based on anti-gravity fields and all this other stuff. But it could just be magic, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it. magic. And they call the weave the magic, right? So in, in Forgotten Realms, if we bring it to that, the weave could be something that is a scientific force that could be measured and has rules. It's just nobody's a scientist enough to know all that yeah. stuff, so they don't think of it that way. So just like there's a field of gravity that we are all a part of, there is a field yeah. of magic that like lays on top of that as well, you know? Yeah. And then we start to access in some way. So yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, I, I really like the idea. And it's not the only, you know, 5e book that's coming out. There's a lot of these supplement books. I know um, Lasers and Liches just finished up, which is the Retroverse book. So if you're really into an 80s mash of video games and sci-fi and cyberpunk and and lasers and pink and purple colors and dinosaurs with lasers in your 5e stuff, you can go with that. There's... Um, I've been seeing a lot of different 5e um, supplements. The yeah. the Uncaged book um, that's out there right now, it talks about myths and legends. Um, that's out on um, the DMs Guild, I believe it is. It has a lot of cool stuff. So 5e supplements from third-party groups is just huge right now, and there's so much out there um, that you can add to your game. So there is no <clears throat> shortage for you as a DM if you feel like you're a person that doesn't have a lot of creativity, which I would argue with you all day long because i'm sure you have tons of creativity even if you don't admit it but if you feel like you don't and you feel like i don't i can't figure out where to do this crazy campaign i don't know where to take it there's so much stuff out there that you could just take and steal from somebody else that you don't even have to come up with so you can go grab any one of these books you can go grab the new salt marsh book you can go grab um you know something that was from the wizards of the coast you can grab something from cobalt press you can grab something from old you can grab something from another game and bring it in if you feel like you can't think of something yourself because there's just so much out there um to play and get to so it's really cool so that's cool news wise as far as people in the um youtube chat were talking a little bit about like kickstarter's not 
going through. Like you pay a bunch of money to have a Kickstarter finish. It finishes successfully. And then you don't end up getting any of your thing. And I know Mm. Kickstarter has uh, things in place to prevent this from happening, but at the same time, it is a gamble almost. And I was wondering, since you said you back a lot of Kickstarters, have you ever had one like not fulfill their, their promise? (laughs) No, I've, I've joined two that didn't get funded. Mm. So the money wasn't charged. But I haven't, no, I lied. Yes, I have done one that I backed. It was called Clang. And it was supposed to be for a company that was going to make a video game that used a sword almost as a controller. So it was going to be in the shape of a sword. So that when you fought these duels, you would maneuver the sword around. Hmm. And it was by Stephen R. Donaldson, the author of snow crash and a bunch of books that i like he was the one that kicked it off and he was the one that was promoting it and doing the videos and he hired the team to build the software to do it and they were going to put it to a game that you could duel with and it was going to be this really cool thing and they by the end of it they never could get it to work so yes my 40 dollars ended up never actually being anything but at the end of that i i don't think i ever once thought you know what i should sue this guy no Um, i didn't feel like that one was a um a scam but i that is such a good point you bring up that doesn't mean there aren't some out there that are scams so you guys want to be a little careful you want to make sure you like you said if it's a company you're usually doing pretty good but if it's an individual it's kind of i don't know yeah, be a little careful and and don't just say, uh, you know, uh, Lucian and Jordan made me lose $50 because they are super excited about Kickstarters. And I went out and did Kickstarter without doing my research or really thinking. Think of it as money that goes away whether you get something or not. Uh, yeah. That's I think you have to go into it that way. Most of the time I've had great interactions, almost 98% of the time I've had great interactions. And I've gotten some great books from it, some really good stuff. Um, but there's that two percent out there so be careful yeah Uh, i and i was just i won't say the kickstarter that i'm thinking of right now but i did back one and i and they were saying like hey we're gonna have deliverables by january and it's now and then in february they were saying we're a little bit behind it's now mid-march and we haven't had like an update for like a month and it makes me a little worried that I'm just like, did you did you take my money and run? Like, I was really yeah. excited for this product, but <laughs> and I don't know. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, I understand things happen. You don't meet your goals and things like that. Uh, but they're still working hard. But to yeah. like keep at least if I was in that position, like keep your public informed, keep your backers informed of what's actually mm-hmm. happening. So, yeah. um, so those are all good um, news from Wizards of the Coast. We didn't see a lot. Um, over the week we saw a few videos getting posted up most of them weren't to a convention i believe um gary con i think gary con so they were starting to post videos from that um and they're slowly getting up onto the internet so if you maybe if you were at gary con you saw all that stuff and you got to hear all those things but we're just now getting it over on the D channel and the D beyond channel um D&D Beyond did get the Artificer mm-hmm. finally on the D&D Beyond um, website. They had to like recode website. to get that to yeah. work a little bit like because yeah. it was like new mechanics and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So that is finally up for those of you who are going to test. And that's going to relate back a little bit later in the show. Stay tuned. <laughs> and uh, other than that, like so we didn't get any diff- anything too new and spoilers and swag and news. It was really talking about 
the same stuff they've been talking about um, and they're leading up to their big next book um, thing. So that's, it's been a little slow on that front. And I think a lot of other stuff has been going on. There's uh, other Kickstarters have been going on. The critical role Kickstarter is still rolling along and people are, are getting on board with a full series of that. We've talked about that in the last couple of weeks. Um, so that was kind of really it for news. Um, Emerald City Comic Con's going on right now. That's right now, yeah. Which is right now. Have you ever been to Seattle, been to Emerald City Comic Con? I have been to Seattle. I have not been to Emerald City Comic Con. I haven't been to a Comic Con at all. Oh, really? Have you been to a Comic Con? Like, yeah. I've been to game conventions, but I've not gone to a specific comic book convention. Yeah, well, where I live in Idaho, they've had a couple of comic book conventions. And I think, like, they had the Wizards Con, which I went to, which was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. But I went to Emerald City Comic Con um, a few years ago, and it's actually a really funny story. Not funny, but, like, I think it's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I used to play MMOs back in the day in my college years, and I played Final Fantasy XI, the online, massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Um and like most of those games, you make friends with the people that you play with. And I made friends with uh, a, a girl, and she ended up marrying the guy that runs Emerald City Comic Con. So I was nice. in Seattle, and I like like had coffee with her. And she's like, "By the way, I have some free tickets for you because like my husband runs this." So we ended up going to Emerald City Comic Con for free, and saw mm-hmm. like Felicia Day, and we went to like a D and D improv thing that which was really fun these like uh, canadian improv artists were doing a live D game kind of before it was really popular on twitch and they they really modeled it as a improv game that they threw kind of D bits in but i was mm-hmm. i remember watching this being like i want to do this so bad like they're 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 almost there like like it's mostly an improv show but i was like if they just made it more about D with like improv on the side i think it would be worth so much but now that now it's all over like people do it all kinds and there's all kind of live shows and and critical role and everything else and things like that but um was really really fun so i have a lot of fond memories of emerald city comic-con and i was like oh that's right it's march i should have like driven up and gone to seattle and visited friends and go to emerald city comic-con but and i don't i don't think wizards of the coast and there's not going to be like a bunch of D news released but like uh at emerald city comic-con but i, I have a special place in my heart with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely looks fun and i've been seeing it a lot on twitter like i don't remember seeing a bunch of it last year on twitter but for whatever reason this year I'm seeing a ton oh, of it. Oh yeah, everybody with their name of at ECCC. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So that's cool, and it, it's the convention season has started. You know, we're here in March, and like you said, Gary Con's going. We've already seen several other conventions before this, and now the Comic Cons are starting up, and then we'll start to get into as they keep going all these other great conventions that you know everybody gets to go to, yeah. and and I think you point out the the cool thing about conventions for like for me, I never went to them for very much because I. I always wondered why so many people would go to something like that. Why not just stay home and play your game or, you know, you can buy your products wherever it's nice to Mm. see something that's maybe new or see an announcement, but do I really want to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars for that? Or can I just wait till it's announced? But when I finally talked myself into going to um, Comic-Con or not Comic-Con, Gen Con. Yeah. Yeah, Gen Con. The idea was I wanted to go and play games, meet new people I hadn't met before and really just get an idea of what the whole scene is about because I've always heard about it, never went. And the first time I ever went was four years ago now. So I was, so I'm kind of a late comer to the convention side of it. Um, and 
I was dumb. You know, it was really dumb to tell myself not to go to these or there's not a reason to go to them because there's a million things you can do at a convention and there's a million different ways you can enjoy a convention. It does require that, hey, you're going to be in large groups of people at, at certain points throughout the day. Though I think once you've done one, you can find ways to mitigate a lot of that too by the way you schedule, the way you go and do things. But there's so many people that share your hobby. And I think that was the thing that really kind of drove it home is it's not just a bunch of people. It's not like I'm standing in a train station and we're all people. That's what we have in common. But then some of us are there for work. Some of us are going home. Some of us are this or that. None of that really is in common. You're going to something where you all share a love of games at this point. Mm -hmm. So you have, not only are we people, we have that in common, but we have a, a, a shared hobby that's in common. And now we're in a big group. I think that really drives it over the top to being something that's really fun and really cool. And, and, and something that if you can experience, definitely try to, I get that it's a lot of money. I mean, Jordan flew out, so he would have a flight, gets a hotel room, then he's there for a week. It's expensive. And it's not something that maybe everybody can do, but if you can find ways to save money with your friends, find ways to carpool with people, find ways to travel with other people. Cause even traveling together with friends would be fun. Having a road trip where you're playing Dungeons and Dragons in the car on the way there would be super cool. We've talked about doing stuff like that where the, although the driver just gets to drive, but everybody else gets to, you know, you DM is in the other seat and you can roll dice and play. <laughs> the there. I think that'd be super cool. Yeah, Cause I be bet fun. that a 14 hour drive would go by quick. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be like, we're third level already. All right. And yeah. now we're here. So no conventions um, are great. And I totally yeah. agree with you. Like uh, it's just really cool to be around like-minded people and see um, like, I like me and my wife like to cosplay as well. So it's fun mm -hmm. when people stop you and they recognize where you're from. And then you realize that like, I really like this, you know, property and you really like this property. And so now we can like pose and take photos and it's just like you instantly have something in common with someone and it's really yeah. fun. So, and you get to see new games, you get to see things that you maybe never would have come up on your radar when you're walking through mm -hmm. the, the, um, the vendor hall. Cause you're like, I'd, I've seen a bunch of board games or role-playing games that I'd never heard of. And I thought I just picked them up. And I'm like, this is looks really good. Yeah. There's artist row there. You can see all these things. And that's just one convention. There's lots of small conventions. If you want to go to one, that's not so big and packed. You just want to stay one that's near local. I've been to like marmalade dog, which is here in the Kalamazoo area. Um, or you can go to some of the other ones. I know there's dragon con and gen con and just there's, there's a million cons now these days um, or the paxes, you know, you can go to those yeah. kinds of, so they're really cool. And I, I feel like we're in the start of the new season. The 2019 season con season has started. Those of you that are working on your costumes are probably getting them ready for whatever your deadline is so that you're ready to unveil whatever coolness that you've come up with. Um, for those of you that are building games, you want to go to these things and test them and have players to test them. That's going to be cool. Or if you're just going to meet up with your friends, which is also cool. Like maybe you've all after college or after school or after military, wherever you were, you knew each other. You've all spread across the country, but you all like to come back to PAX East or you like to meet up at PAX Unplugged or something and, and get together again for the first time that year and do some stuff. So it's really cool. It's a, it's a community building thing and it's a good community to be in. It's not like many other communities. I don't think, I mean, the gaming community is a, a geek nerd culture and you're okay. It's okay to be a geek and a nerd in that culture. You don't have to feel like you have to hide it. You don't have to feel like you don't want people to know you're in an area where everybody knows it and everybody is it. So that's, what's really cool. Yeah. So, 
and that we're we're ready. I'm getting so pumped up. I mean, I know you've got your room for Gen Con. I've got mine for Gen Con. We're we're getting close. I got a bunch of the the companies sending me stuff. They're saying, "Hey, are you going to run games for us this year? What are you oh, thinking?" Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, do I want to do it or do I want to keep my schedule open so I could do some other stuff?" So I'm kind of figuring out what I want to do. Do I want to run games for booths and stuff like that, or or just go and have a, a fun year? I'm thinking this year's a fun year. In this year's, I'm just going to go and enjoy it without having a schedule of DMing because the last two. I typically ran, I want to say six to eight games. And so the, each one is a four hour slot. Yeah, I barely to, saw you like yeah. me and Graybeard went and hung out and like went <laughs> places. Cause you're just like, well, I got another game to run yeah, or okay. I got to work this booth. We're like, okay. <laughs> See ya. So this year I think it's just going to be fun and hanging out um, and do some stuff. So that's going to be cool. Um, so I think that's really fun. And I think that's where we're at. I don't know. Are you going to anything else before then? Do you have no. anything planned before that one? No, not with uh, how expensive it is for me to go to Gen Con because I have to fly out there and stuff. Um, there are some little gaming conventions in my hometown that mm-hmm. I went to last year. And I ended up not having that much fun just because I kind of went by myself. And I was trying to get in at a couple of gaming tables, but like couldn't because they were full. So... I think I'm going to try and go to that gaming convention again this next year, um, mm-hmm. this summer. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring my D and D adventure. Boys. Well, I, or my Hot Springs boys, I could bring them. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was like, really, what I want to do is bring my Hot Spring or Hot Springs Island. I want to bring my Dragon on the Mount adventure. And if yeah. I can't find a table, I want to just like sit in a corner and be like, I'm willing to run D and D for people and and just make some friends that way and do that. So. Um, and it's, and that convention's always growing. So it's getting bigger and bigger every year. And so this year it might be a little bit bigger and a little more run better and things like that. And just so that there is opportunities, but I mean, it was, yeah, all, all the tables were full when I went there to go play games and I was just like, okay. So, yeah, that's what happened to me for PAX Unplugged that made me while I was there be a little bit down about it. Cause I couldn't get into games cause yeah. they were all filled up so much. But I think now that I understand how it works and where you can go get free tables. And to me, if you can go to a convention and you have at least one friend going with you or a couple of friends or your Mm -hmm. gaming group, it makes it, it just amplifies the fun of the whole thing. If you can actually bring somebody with it. I went solo on a couple and I still had some fun here or there, but it certainly wasn't as much fun as I had last year where I had friends and we were playing games at night at the hotel. Then we were going to the convention and doing convention stuff. We were talking about the different things we went off and did. Like you were off doing a lot of like um, podcast and how to, or, you know, um, a lot of those kind of seminars we went to um, the Adam Cobal thing. And mm-hmm. it was like, we had this common thing that we could talk about when we met back up and said, Oh, what'd you go do? Oh, I went yeah, and did yeah. this. I went and ran Numenera. We, or we both went to that one late night Numenera game where we yeah. got to play. And that, that was, was fun. fun. That was so much talk fun. About that. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what's really cool is it, it's cool if you can go by yourself, but boy, if you can get some friends, definitely go and Hey, we're your friends. So if you're in this and you're listening and you're like, I don't ever know anybody come find us. We're, we're there. We're your friends. So you can come talk to us about what you did for that day and, Absolutely. and we'll tell you the stuff we did. So, which is cool. And we're hoping we're, we're crossing our fingers. We're maybe going to try to do our show yeah. from Saturday morning there. It just depends on internet connectivity, uh, yeah. depending on either where Lucian's staying or where Jordan's staying. But uh, that would be, that would be, I would like to do that like yeah. 100%. So I should probably bring cool. a laptop then. 
So, <laughs> or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. cause doing it from our phones might be a little more, a little much, but right. uh, yeah. yeah. If anything, what we'll do is maybe record uh, a podcast and then we can release it later on the Saturday morning D and D show YouTube yeah, channel. So that'd be super cool. But in other th- happenings, other uh, the other yeah. half of this show is we talk about our D and D games. Um, did you play any D and D this week, Mister Lucian? Sort of, maybe not quite. Um, I didn't run it. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, what does that even mean? But here's the cool tie-in that I've been waiting to kind of spring on you. Um, I saw a little Twitter go out throughout the week, a little bit, a couple days ago, and somebody was asking, hey, I want to run a, a game, and I'm looking for some players, and it's going to be the first time I'm ever I'm going to stream the game. And it was from Dammit Barry, who, as we've seen him play in a lot of other games that I'm used to with, People like Pro Restarter, plays with PB quite a bit, plays with um, Indoor Adventure. I see. I think I've seen him on his channel. So it's kind of in that group, that mm-hmm. sphere of friends that I have. Um, I've seen him playing in those games. He's going to run a game and he's going to stream a game the first time. So I thought, you know what? I know the name. I've seen him on some of the episodes. I think it'd be cool. <clears throat> hey, you know what? I'll do a Thursday night game, Dungeons and Dragons, 5th edition. He's going to run it. And I thought, all right, this would be super cool. So pretty soon. Uh, my Thursday nights will be a game that we're going to be running um, and we're going to be playing um, actual modules, uh, which is going to be pretty cool because my Tuesday night game fell off, which was my Tomb of Annihilation game. That one dropped off. Um, so I've been looking for another official Wizards of the Coast campaign to jump into because I always want to have my my feet or my fingers or my my feelers in the official stuff too because we talk about it so much and I just want to be in it so it's good that we're going to be doing real modules but here's the fun thing here's the really cool thing so what i've been doing this week is we've been building characters and he just happened to say it was all right that i could make an artificer so i'm going to get to play test an artificer we're using uh dnd beyond for the character sheets and rolling them up so i i've kind of gotten to dive into the play test material which i think is really cool so i'll be able to give some feedback and i'll be able to get to see it play for real um, I'm going to play a very standard kind of gnomish, um, probably artillerist, because I think I'm leaning more that way than the alchemist portion of it, and do some real play testing and see how it feels and how it's going to get to go. So that, I think, is going to be really fun um, and getting it going. But here's the next thing that's really funny, is that he said, like, we had a couple of weeks that we we're going to build up, we we're going to play some characters, and he said, well, how about this next Thursday, because we're not starting quite yet. Um, the official date is, I think if I look on my calendar, cause I'm getting it all wrong. Just like you, I should have looked all this up before I, I did it. I believe <laughs> we're going to start on the 28th Thursday. So next week is the 21st. So we didn't really have anything planned, but he said, you know what, why don't we just play a game? So maybe the group gets together and just, cause it's all different people that he grabbed from the different wilds of the internet, mm-hmm. bring us together, put us in a session just real quick, just so we all kind of get used to each other before we kick off the first level campaign characters. Mm-hmm. So I said, sure, that sounds great. I'm free for Thursday. And he's like, cool, I'm going to run this module. Um, it's called Dragon on the Mount. And yeah, I'm going to run everybody no through it. Are <laughs> yeah. you serious? Yeah. That's <laughs> so, so cool. Said, I'm going to run Dragon on the Mount. So if you guys just imagine your characters as fourth level characters, I'm going to run through it. So it was funny. I'm like, oh, okay, this could be super cool. And then he sends me a message a little bit later um, through Twitter. I forget where it was. Or maybe it was Discord or something. He's like, oh, wait a minute. He says, maybe you don't want to play that module. Maybe because, you know, your show, you know, Jordan. I'm like, no, 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 no. This would be great for me to play through it once again. I can role play. Even though I know what's going on, I will role play my character as if I don't. And I won't give hints to the players. I'll let them do all the figuring out. But I said, 
what's really cool about it is it allow me to critique Jordan's module once more and really dive into where those holes in this, you know, this, this thing he's created and say, this plot hole doesn't work. This <laughs> but I thought it'd be really cool. I don't know if he's going to stream that one. I think what he wanted to do is just do it as let yeah. the players get to know each other, yeah, absolutely. but I will be able to come on to our next show after that. So not, yeah, it'll be next Saturday. And I'll be able to say, okay, so this is what happened. This is how he ran it. This was what was cool. This is how the players, you know, tackled certain things. This is what he left in. This is what he added that wasn't there. And we'll be able to really talk about, you know, somebody playing your module, which I think is cool. Because you always want – I think one thing that we forget sometimes about Dungeons & Dragons, especially for those of us that consume it online where we watch Critical Role, we watch uh, Acquisitions, Inc., we watch um, Dice Camera Action, all these ones, we – it, it seeps in our mind that that's the only way to play Dungeons and Dragons. But when you, if you took the same module and you had Matt Mercer, Chris Perkins, um, Jerry Holkins, and you said, I want you guys to run this for your group, every one of those running the same module will be wildly different mm-hmm. because Dungeons and Dragons is so much about put in as a GM, the stuff you really like modify anything that doesn't make sense to you or just doesn't resonate with you and you want to do something else put that in and there's always room in all of this to add things in that you are interested in and you you want to add that monster you want to add that story hook you want to change or tweak something a little bit you're encouraged to do that with all of these books so i think even though we could all play tomb of annihilation every game that we set up would be different jordan would run it different i would run it different you know, Greybeard would run it different. All these people that we know as DMs would run it different. So that's what's really fun and cool. And you don't have to feel like, oh, I can't play this again. Like if somebody came up to me and said, hey, do you want to play Tomb of Annihilation? I'm going to run it. I probably would say yes at this point because I know it doesn't matter. It's never going to be like the game of a narcissist played that he ran mm-hmm. because this person will run it different. It'll be a different experience. It'll be a different thing for me to put a character in and run. So I thought that was going to be really cool. We're going to get to to do a little side dragon on the mount kind of um, game. I'm going to get to see what a fourth level um, artillerist looks like at that point. So you're just getting into some of the cool features of that class. Um, So I think that'll be cool. So I'll be be able to play test a new class. I'll be able to play test a fun module for a friend and I'll be able to help a new GM who's, I don't know how new he is at GMing, he made it sound like he's new to streaming the game. So maybe he's a longtime GM and I don't know it. Cause I don't really know. He's a much veteran about player though, right? Yeah. Like yeah. yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen him on lots of stuff. Okay. He's in chat. He'll probably tell us as I'm talking about him here, um, <laughs> but I'll get to see, or, you know, be a part of somebody starting a stream campaign for the yeah. first time, which is, I always like when I, when there's that first time attached to anything, if somebody says, I want to play Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. I like raise my hand. I will run a game for you if it's the first time, no matter what. I love that. If you say it's the first time I'm going to stream something, would you help out? I raise my hand because I want to help out. You know, it's just like, hey, I've I've never written a module before. Would you take a look at it? I raise my hand because I'm like, yeah, that'd be super cool. It's the first time. So I always like that. And I always like bringing new people in and helping people keep moving on. So what's he saying? He's saying, no, not a long time GM. I've been wanting to test this one shot for weeks now. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and then he's saying the 28th. So we're, we're plugging his show, which is super cool. And I think it's gonna be super fun. Um, and I was going through, I had, when we started, I was, I was leaning towards a shadow sorcerer that I was coming up with. And I had a really good idea for that. And I still want to do it in something else. So I think if Jordan runs a game at some point, I'm going to use this 
shadow sorcerer character that I that I had in mind for maybe something like that. Um, but I pivoted over to because I, I put it in, and then one of the other players said, "Oh, that's weird. I'm also going to play a shadow sorcerer of oh. this and that." And I thought, "Oh, okay, cool. That's a cool, player. Um, maybe I'll switch just because. Not that it wouldn't doesn't matter. You can yeah. have two barbarians, or you can have two paladins, because they could play very differently depending on how the players really play them. But I thought, well, you know what? If I could try the artificer, if if Barry would let me try it, why not? Why not see, give it a shot and and play it out. So I think it's going to be super fun and we're going to have a good time on it. So that was what I was excited. I've been kind of sitting on it all week. I've been waiting to spring it on you. Um, that's cool. cool. No, that's really fun. It wasn't even prompted. It wasn't like I said, Hey, you should go find this module that I've never really heard of, but it's called this, you know, <laughs> that it, I was like, Oh, that's so good. Jordan's going to love it. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I've, I've been surprised. There was like a, a cause you can see like your sales, I guess mm-hmm. with, within the DMS guild. And yeah. I think it was the month of February. I sold as many as I had sold during November and December and January combined. So mm-hmm. like somebody, somebody in February was like, Oh, this is really cool. And like got the word out. And so I'm, I'm happy people are playing it and enjoying it. I actually got an email from um, a group of uh, theater artists that do a live D and D show at their local theater um, and they wanted to run it and they were asking for permission. Cause they were just like, you know, we're going to make money off of this. We sell tickets and things like that. And I was like, oh yeah, just take it. Like just yeah. run it and have fun is what yeah. I said. Cause Get it's rich cool. off it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> if you make a million dollars and you want to cut me like 10,000 yeah. or something, that's cool. Just but... give me a part. Just be like, oh, yeah. I just want to play a part. I'll fly out there. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. I will that be was... the dragon and you could build a mount and I'll just stand on it during the entire thing. So it'll be great. I would pay tickets to see that show. That would be show. <laughs> Theater could do that module good. Um, I think that would be a really cool. And that, that would be something. I, I guess I haven't really seen any of that. Maybe I should look for it because I'm sure it's out there. But go to see a theater show that is full on Dungeons and Dragons written to be about Dungeons and Dragons, it being Dungeons and Dragons, it's a storyline Dungeons and Dragons. They create sets, but they do an adventure for the show. I think that'd be kind of cool. Well, the ones that I've seen, um, not here, but in Seattle, are improv artists that literally play the game, um, but then stand up and like interact with stuff and things like that. And then the DM usually has very few dice rolls unless they're in combat, um, because Mm -hmm. it's how persuasive are you just with your improv skills. But on the other side of that, there's actually a really good play out there called She Kills Monsters that mm-hmm. is a D&D campaign story that revolves around this this girl. And it's kind of sad, but like why this girl ended up uh, killing herself. And it's uh, the, like her, her story as told through Dungeons and Dragons. Um, really cool. Really has, although I said that and that's really depressing, has a lot of funny moments to it. And it's just mm-hmm. a really great script. So it's called She Kills Monsters. And you should check it out huh, cool. if you're into the D&D-ness. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I could see like this idea of maybe you start the show with a scene of players dressed up they're at a table mm-hmm. they're they're interacting they're having fun and the storyline kicks off and then you have like the the scene change where all of a sudden there's the big change and then now they're their characters and now they're going through this this scripted you know actual story that they've done you know whatever you know whatever it is uh dragon on the mount like yeah. you said or yeah like or you could even play it that becomes your script and then you create the sets you create the dialogue you mm-hmm. create 
the actors play it out as it was. So all the stuff has already been done. All the roles have been made. All the the way we know it's going to happen. The Ropers already killed somebody and, and thrown them. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> so uh, I think that'd be cool. I'm gonna have to look for that. I because like you can go watch Lion King as you know a, a theater production, and that's fantastic. And they do really cool stuff with that, or um, you know any of the shows that are out there. I should look for a Dungeons and Dragons yeah. theater production. That'd be cool. Do it up. Look at, I bet it, I bet I'll, it exists. And I bet it's within it. three to four hours of you and you can, and then I'll buy something. tickets and I'll tell my wife, you know what, for the very first time ever, I'm going to take you to the theater and she will have such a shocked look on her face. <laughs> like, what? We're going to go to the theater. What? what? And then it's going to be all Dungeons and Dragons all night long. It's going to be so good. That's fun. <laughs> That's fun. So that was my big thing. So I did not play. Uh, we did not play Seeking Revenor this week. I meant to, but I just, I just got busy and I just got, I forgot to post when the session was going to be. So we are going to play on Monday night. Um, so for Seeking Revenor, which is our West Marches game, to get in and play some of that Dungeons and Dragons. Big things are happening in that world. Lots of factions are starting to rise. They know about the three great dragons. They know about uh, the last elven city. They know about the destroyed city that they they don't even know who the inhabitants were, um, but has been destroyed. They know that there's a couple of evil temples that are pumping evil out into the lands, and they know that there's an evil druid that's out there destroying shrines and, and religious stuff, trying to damp down any of the gods' influence in these lands, any of the different gods for Forgotten Realms and, and others we're using some other stuff in there too so it's a really fun game it's really starting to ramp up um hex base crawl kind of thing so we're monday night we're going to play a session they're getting their expedition together i haven't figured out where they're going to go yet um i don't know if they've said that or not but it'll be good it'll be fun and i've been enjoying it a lot i still have not found a way to do multiple dms in such a way that i'm going to feel happy about it like i keep thinking i could do it i could add it but it feels like it adds a bunch of extra work onto me, which I'm already don't want to do. Um, and I, I don't want to get into a situation where I don't agree with what a GM is doing, but it's like the campaign. And now I have to like, if it's your campaign, like if you're doing something in your campaign, no matter what it is, it has no effect on any of the things I'm doing in my campaign. So I'm never going to say to Jordan, you know what? I don't like that. your your salamanders, are as smart as they are. Like I, in my world, I like salamanders to be really dumb when they fight other people. Um, but if you're running it in my campaign and then all of a sudden you make, you know, um, I don't know. Um, you, you just decide to change something, which you should do as a GM, but then it doesn't fit into what I'm doing with my campaign. I don't want to get into that discussion with another GM and be like, you know, I don't want you to do that. I kind of want you to do it this way. I don't even want to get into that. Like, I don't want that. To yeah. Happen. So I'm kind of struggling with this idea of trying to bring a second DM into a living campaign. I know other places have done it. I've signed up for a few other ones to try to figure out and see how they do it. But there's this real big barrier to entering in other people's live campaigns. Like I was looking at the one that was the Covillian one. They're running a West Marches. Um, They're all fans of Matt Coville. And And they had like this big convoluted way to build a character and try to get into a game and it just all seems like very barrier. Like there's just so much you have to go through. Whereas mine, you just send me an email 
and I give you a character sheet and then you you're in an expedition. Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, why is it so hard to get into these to these games so that we can see what's going on? Why does it have to be loads and loads of paperwork and weird like there's all these cool tools to use, but they're not using any of those. They're using something like you've got to put your character sheet on GitHub and it's gonna link into Discord in some way. And then you're going to, why don't you just use Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds and call it good? I don't understand why they're making it difficult. So I don't know. So I'm having, I'm struggling with that and it hasn't happened yet. I don't know if it will, but I'm going to keep thinking about it. Um, my Sunday game, which is the Crash Course, RPG Crash Course, uh, we have selected for the month of March, we are playing Mind Jammer, um, which has been really cool, really science fiction, but a big book. This is like a 500, 600 page book. This is a big, deep RPG. This is thick rules. Um, so we're struggling a little bit <clears throat> getting it up and going. It's based off Fate Core. I don't know if you've played any Fate games. So it's based off that kind of dice pool system. Um, but I'm sure it's modified for this. We're in the character creation portion of it. And that's what we did last week. We didn't, I don't think I streamed that just because we're our session zero. Sometimes I stream and sometimes I don't. Um, but for this week, we're going to try to play. So tomorrow, we're going to try to use the characters that they created. We spent time creating, and then we're going to run through um, trying to figure out how the actual rules work. So we'll do some RP scenes. We'll probably throw a co couple combat scenes in there and just see how the rules help us play that game. Because my idea for trying to learn these is, if any role-playing game, I feel like you need kind of like three things that you have to be able to explain to the people who want to do this how to do. One, how to resolve some type of interaction that has to do with a skill or some type of um, unknown challenge. So jumping over a crevasse, um, picking something up, trying to force a door open. You need something that allows you to decide that kind of thing. You need a clear understanding of how conflict works, whether it's how I go and punch somebody and they punch me or they shoot me or they stab me or whatever your rules have to explain that to me. And then character advancement has to be pretty in-depth because that's the whole point of the game anyways for players is that they want their character to evolve and get new things to continue on. And that's what drives the whole fun of it. So you got to be able to explain those three things. And then you, if you can do that, you your game works. If you don't do one of those three things well, then I feel like the game kind of doesn't resonate very well so far. So that's what we're going to test out tomorrow. Can we do some type of skill checks where they have to make some rolls or have to do something with the skills they have on their character sheets so they can maneuver a spaceship or um, run down a corridor or hide in a crowd or whatever it might be, whatever possibly comes up. Can they, can we do a fist fight? Can we do a gun fight? Can we do a, a knife fight or a sword fight or whatever? Um, and then after that, what it happens when our characters get some experience and, and advance and get some new abilities and stuff. So that's how we're testing it. That's how we're playing it. We're trying to do it in a story at the same time. So I'll, I'll create a, a minimal little campaign story. And then so tomorrow should be the first one we stream uh, of the game. And we're going to play that one. And we play it for the rest of March. And then we get into April and we'll pick a new game and we'll be running a, a different game. So it should be very interesting. But that has been my Dungeons and Dragons or RP playing uh, for the week. I have 
been naughty a little bit because I've been playing a ton of computer games lately. Like you said, you were MMO, so you get into MMOs back in the day. And every now and then those things grab us again. And so, yeah, I, I played like through Far Cry 5 and finished it. You know, like I spent a bunch of hours doing that. And so computer games have grabbed some of my time. And the other thing that's killed me this week is Daylight Savings Time. I don't know why this year it's been worse than others, but like this year I can't get a handle on it. Like when we started the show this morning, I was like, it was like 10 minutes to go when I signed in and Jordan's like, are you even here? I'm like, (laughs) daylight savings is kicking my butt this year. I don't know what it is, but the change, maybe it happens to you guys. Maybe you're lucky enough and you live somewhere that doesn't have daylight savings time. And you know what? I'm thinking about moving there just because I'm tired of it. <laughs> I don't want to change my clocks anymore. <laughs> that was definitely my my week in role-playing games. How was Jordan's week in role-playing games? What did Jordan get to do? Um, so I pretty much just played Hot Springs Island, and then I've been working on a little bit of prep for my Shadowfell game with my guys because we're we're on like seven or eight of the 13 scenarios in Betrayal. So after that, we're going to uh, go back to playing D&D. So I started prepping a little bit. But mm-hmm. my Hot Springs Island people are full on doing like a uh, – they're, they're trying to lead an warfare. army. Yeah, yeah, warfare. Like they're trying to lead an army of ogres against the salamanders and Svarku, the evil Afrit that runs all the salamanders. So mm-hmm. they – kind of got together with a bunch of the ogres and the Nereids, which are like water nymphs. Um, and th- basically the head NPCs that they've met in this campaign. And they had a big meeting and they kind of talked about like, well, what are our resources? How many troops do we have? What can we do? Um, the witch, the ogre witch, her name's Bav Morda. She was eyeing, um, oh, I should back up. Our barbarian found a really fantastic great axe it's obsidian and it has magical powers and it does double damage to any fire creature and the salamanders are all fire creatures so he's basically getting a critical hit every single time he hits (laughs) and it's been a lot of fun and i told him that um bavmorta wants to take his axe and utilize that magic and spread it out to all of the other ogres so that they all have these magical axes as well the catch 22 is now that axe on a one, if he rolls a natural one, will shatter. And so wow. he was like, I think I want to do this for the good of the the for the good of the the ogres and the battle and everything. So he handed that over. So she's now magically pulling out magic from this axe and kind of spreading it around to a bunch of the weapons and stuff for all the night axe ogres. But I was looking at a lot of um rules for mass combat and I just couldn't find any that I liked. I read Mm -hmm. Colville's and I'm like, this feels a little more complicated than I want. I read the Unearthed Arcana um, and it felt like it was basically another game on top of D&D. And that's kind of what I didn't want. I didn't want to have to teach my players how to do mass combat. I wanted them to utilize what they already do with a mass combat element. So I kind of came up with like my own version and I took... I I decided to create squads of night axe ogres. So Mm -hmm. with, if there's a hundred of these, these guys plus uh, water nymphs um, plus uh, healers, I kind of created like, well, you're going to have a squad of like 10 to 15 ogres, a couple healers and like three to five water nymphs. So here's a squad of 20. And so if we divide that by a hundred, you now have five squads of 20. And I, 
took all the hit points that they had and I kind of averaged it out and I said, okay, they're going to have about 600 hit points. And I took the damage that they could do and I'm like, if we do if we do 2d8 with a regular attack, let's times it by 10. So basically I made like a super buff character that does extra damage. So in combat, hopefully this will work out. I built stats for the, the fire nymphs or the fire nymphs, sorry, the, the fire salamanders, the water nymphs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I built stats for the fire salamanders. And when the two com- collide, it'll be like a regular attack. And, I'll, mm-hmm. and you'll roll a d20, see if you hit. Now, if you hit, you do massive amounts of damage and vice versa when they hit. And then on top of that, I gave every group um, special abilities that they have based on uh, the type of people in their group. So like the, the water nymphs can create walls of water or extinguish fires or do something like that. The fire salamanders can breathe fire so they can do a guaranteed hit of so much damage. The spellcasters in the back can cast fireball, which will do extra damage and things like that. So it's a really simple system. I'm wondering if it's too simple. Um, mm-hmm. But I was wondering, I was going to ask you, like, how would you handle mass combat? And, and like, or is it something that you've really thought of, or you're like, well, I would just use Colville's stuff. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking a lot of different ways. Um, I would, I, I actually ran through Colville's rules, so I could use those. I have played a lot of tabletop war games, so I could lean on any of those. See, yeah, but if you it. were saying make something up, yeah, like uh, what the, the thing that popped into my mind were two routes. The one you just explained, which was a good route where it's really just, like basic a combat D&D bag, amplified, right? yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, So they're really just a a, a creature that moves together because they're never going to split apart and do things separately. So they're kind of like a big creature with lots of hit points that are moving around the board. And the cool thing with that is narratively, when you roll dice and you say your fireball does, you know, 66 and maybe they roll 12, you can narrate it as 12 of the people from that block have died so it's not hit points the hit points represent the number of people in the unit so when you roll that number that's how many of those people are have perished Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of cool um and then they move around they have their own abilities and they fight and they they do some cool things and that way your players can still use their abilities it still feels like a dungeons and dragons combat nobody has to learn anything new so i think that's really cool and it's just going to be up to the narrative part and then you keeping track of everything going on if you were doing a theater of the mind. But I think you use a board though, right? So you're going to, yeah. I assume, have. I'm going to try that, oh. and print out a larger yeah. map of Hot Springs Island and get little figures and be like, here they are, where are they clashing? And so we kind of do like a mini war game like that. Um, yeah. And then also to kind of make it more narrative, I'm thinking of sprinkling in a skill challenge because I really like skill challenges in fifth mm-hmm. edition. And um, I like the idea of if they're directing these troops, how, what kind of skills are they going to use? Like I'm going to use persuasion or intimidation, or I'm going to do this and like, see, see how they can manipulate the battlefield that way. Um, Yeah. The only other way I was thinking that would do it. The first thing that popped in my mind was using a modified magic, the gathering style mechanic where I create using probably magic cards uh, and something very simple that is we can use it so that i can play a card game against the players Mm -hmm. and it still has a gaminess to it there's still some randomness going to it but there's also some strategy with which card you get to play so you might get to you might get to do things and that just represents the units that are hitting each other the players still get to do their things and they still like you said get to damage the unit if they Mm -hmm. throw their lightning bolt at it or their fireball or whatever they have 
or they go after the generals and that's a real combat and a real thing that's happening. But then as I'm trying to simulate what's happening with these, like you said, five units of ogres against who knows how many salamanders. I don't, I, don't, I thought it was a lot of salamanders. Yeah, it's, it's like 200 <laughs> salamanders. Yeah, so. yeah. So if you break that up into, you know, big units too, there's going to be lots of units that are fighting each other that has nothing to do with what the players are doing at the time right so there's going to be ones that are off and i would almost like a, a simple card game that's happening that could be happening during that phase so you get a really fun interaction of cards that you put out and you could use any mechanic you could use a poker mechanic you could use yeah. you know uh, a go fish mechanic you could use high card mechanic whatever it is or you could use like i was thinking of magic the gathering where you don't use land or anything like that but you could use the abilities like they attack they defend or they lightning mm-hmm. bolt or they this and then you then you go on to the rest of the thing. So I, I think I would do one of those almost because, you know, uh, Mike from, you know, the Acquisitions Incorporated always inspires me to come up with mashing mechanics from other things into Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm starting to be more inspired by the way he does Dungeons and Dragons, which is I want to put Mario Kart into Dungeons and Dragons yeah. to figure out a way to do it. I want to put, you know, like you were talking about being able to do a battle along these globes that he's created and you can pin to them and they have all the squares and everything on them. Okay. That's a cool mechanic. Cause that's like a little big planet mechanic or a little, yeah. you know, these, this, this thing. So now I'm starting to think if there's places that I can put that into my games, I want to. So can I put a magic gathering card mini game into the middle of a dungeons and dragons game in some way that mm. would be kind of cool too. So I think you're doing it. I think it's going to be really cool the way you do. It. I think the narration would be the big thing for the way you're doing it. Just narrate it that it's a big battle that's going on. It's going to be fun. And their goal is uh, they they have a gem called the gem of Zumakalis that mm-hmm. Svarku, the big bad Afrit, wants. And so mm-hmm. I think what their plan is they haven't fully fo- fi- finalized it, and I'm and I, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. But they're going to use that as an excuse to draw out the armies mm-hmm. so that they can clash on. T- basically the ogres terms the ogres territory which is really a good idea and then they want to try and sneak up the volcano and cut the head off the snake like get rid of svarku specifically and i'm like no i love this plan i think it's i think it'll be a really excellent game of D. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's another group of them or another other players that want to explore the island a little bit more to gather further resources and and maybe some more allies and things like that so uh we'll see what happens in this next tuesday but um, gosh, it's going to be epic. Like I have, <laughs> this is just a, this feels like a really great conclusion to an awesome adventure so far. And I'm really excited, uh, for them, for my players and to run it. Like, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, so we'll yeah. see if my new mechanics work out, but that's pretty much all I did in D and D I'm playing D and D tomorrow with my Warforge Eldritch Knight, who's now level eight and can enlarge yeah. himself to get really big, which I'm really excited. Uh, we just discovered a, uh, like underground dwarven city that was taken over by the drow because there's like lulf spiders everywhere so um should be something fun to explore i'm really excited for that um how yeah. are you how are you describing what your warforged looks like what kind of warforged are you like narratively what do you look like he's like a robot but like i don't know i look like warforged like Stainless in the artwork steel. from the warforged like so like the eberron yeah the eberron warforged is how i always gotcha. envisioned okay. what he looks like yeah yeah gotcha okay so, not like Terminator stainless steel no, or you haven't no. switched it to be something else or no. yeah, I gotcha. Okay. No, just like a, a magical construct that was created. And he was created by a wizard um, named uh, Genomaix. And this wizard created a handful of these to, for like city watches. And so that's where I came from and we've met wow. that wizard. And so I have a tie to him and like, I kind of like take orders from him and do what he, what he 
deems necessary in the world to protect cool. it. It's all about <laughs> stopping evil, Lucian. Yes, it's everywhere. That's all we do. <laughs> uh, anything else before we take off? That's it. It's been a busy week. I think it's going to continue to be busy yeah. weeks as we go. I'm excited um, to and hear I about just, your Dragon on the Mount yeah, game. That'll be fun next I, week. We'll talk about that. That'll be really good. It'll yeah. be really good. Um, so thanks for everybody showing up. Um, but yeah, Jordan, take us away. Yeah, so wonderful having you guys all here. Thank you guys again so much for coming out and watching our little Saturday morning D&D show. Um, it means a lot to have people in chat, both in YouTube and Twitch. So thanks for coming out. And we will see you next week with another episode. So goodbye, everybody. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.